All right, I think we're ready here. So I just want to um, take a moment and pray for Tim and Graham and just pray that they uh, have peace of mind up here. Um, let them speak boldly your word and truths that you want to communicate with us. Let our hearts receive you um, in your word and give them confidence and um, assurance. And we want to pray for Shannon and thank him for sharing about prayer and um, where he was and where he is now and what has helped him and how we can use that in our own lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, so um, <clears throat> that's the title we settled on. There's, we could do, well, I mean, you know, you can learn different ways to study the Bible. There's so many different things you can do in studying the Bible, but we wanted to um, just kind of put some ideas out there. We kind of kind of work around the idea of questions. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see if that works or not. But um, we, our, our thinking is we want to kind of present you with some tools that you can use, uh, particularly tools that are reproducible so that you could not only use them with another person, but teach another person how to do it. So this, this is not very hard, really, in terms of the, you know, the fundamentals of it. Don't require a, some, we want to, want to take the approach of not using something that requires a curriculum from Sunday school or a book that somebody's published or something like that. And also we wanted to, to take the approach of things that we can do individually. You say, I just want to do some study on my own, or that you can do with the people you're meeting with or maybe put together a group for the express purpose of studying a particular topic or something like that. So, um, <clears throat> can somebody uh, look up, or maybe somebody can quote Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and seventeen? So, yeah, we got to get a mic out here. Here goes Charlie's going to be our mic runner. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Everybody hear that? Well, it's it's that all scripture, all scripture is. You said you said most, right? But you says yeah, and then, then you, you say yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Right. Wake up, wake up. Yeah. So all scripture is inspired by God. Great, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, so that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. And depending on translation. So really, our starting point as we do this is the Scripture is the Word of God. It's the, it carries authority. Uh, it carries uh, truth. Uh, it is truth, like that. And as such, then that means that we need to come to it humbly, that we put ourselves under the authority of Scripture because it's what God has said to us. So uh, <clears throat> there may be some things, we'll, we'll come to it later, where we're like, yeah, maybe that sounds kind of tough, but it, it is what it is, and, and we, are, we are subject to it, right? Um, and the purpose of why we're going there is that we want to be transformed. My little pointer doesn't work very well, but there, oh yeah, there's a little bit of red. It could be transformed and conformed. I bet somebody can quote Romans 12.1. Um, just say it really loud. It may, well, maybe. Oh, here comes Charlie. <coughs> who, who, who wants to say it? Anybody? Just... There you go. Somebody, I was hearing it up here. Lane, you got yeah, I'll, I'll let Charlie get the mic in front of you. That, that way it'll make the recording. So. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hold on, Charlie. There's one more. Can anybody quote Romans 8.29? That's a little bit more obscure. That's not in the, that's not in the TMS. Can anybody look it up? 
You know Romans 8.28, right? For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who, are, who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And 8.29. Here we go. Right here. <clears throat> for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Right, right. So uh, I know you Baptists got called on predestined there, but right after that it said so that we could be conformed to the image of his son, right? So <clears throat> consistent message for us as believers is to be transformed and into the likeness of Christ, conformed to the image of Christ, right? And so we think that by going to the scriptures, thinking deeply about the scriptures, studying the scriptures, that we will be um, hopefully doing that. And in one, just kind of a word of warning, I know that, I, oh, well, I've done this, boy, you know, it's like, uh, just yeah, I know that fellow said that, but boy, I just know seven verses that really just tell that that's wrong, right? Or um, I just want to find stuff that makes me feel a little bit better about myself, right? So I find a couple of verses that, that support what I already think. Uh, so we don't want to use it as am- ammunition against other folks or for our own self-comfort or self-promotion, uh, but again, put ourselves under the authority of it. So if it, if it says something, then that's what is, right? So, Graham, you can grab here. Yeah, so let's say that you're meeting with a guy. Can everybody hear me? Um, so let's say you're meeting with a guy and he doesn't have a Bible, or maybe he has one, but he's looking for a new one. And he asks, all right, I know there's a lot of translations that are out there. Which one should I use? So I'm a second-year student at a seminary, uh, Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, and we asked one of my, me and my classmates asked one of my professors this question, and he's very wise, old man and has a lot of knowledge and uh, all right. um, and we asked him this question and he gave a very wise answer um, he just said whichever one you'll read uh, and I think that's a very disarming answer um, I know that some people have a lot of pride about well this is the best translation um, I know I've heard around here that the, Nav- uh, the new, uh, new American Standard is the Navigator All-Star Bible, um, and it is a good translation, but also it tends to be kind of clunky, um, to be honest. Um, and if you're reading the Psalms, I think it's a lot more beautiful in some other translations. I think that the Psalms are a lot more beautiful in some other translations, and so, um, and that's something that we miss out sometimes as guys, um, and so I think that's important to say. So we have this little diagram for you guys. Um, so basically, when the Bible was being translated from Greek and Hebrew, there were two main camps that people were in as to how they wanted to do it. Some wanted to do more word for word, so they were trying to get, all right, what if we're trying to get each word as close as it is in the original language? And so the New American Standard is a great example of that. Um, yeah, and then the other camp is more doing phrase for phrase or thought for thought is another way people think about it. Um, and that's going to be like, okay, for each verse or each sentence, each, what's the idea that the author was trying to get at? And so the New Living Translation is one of the good examples of that. Um, and then the NIV is a pretty good like middle-of-the-road translation. Um, and then I, I prefer the ESV. It's, very, it's also very word-for-word. But it's a little bit more readable. That's uh, the English Standard Version. Um, and then you see, so there's a couple others. In, uh, New King James is kind of in between the NIV and the ESV, and then the Common English Bible is kind of in between New, uh, the New International and New Living. 
So I hope that's helpful. As we get into this, one of the things before we get into techniques and stuff, we I want to just address a little bit of the idea of meditating on scriptures. We've all read Joshua 1.8, uh, you know, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night, and then hopefully you know the, know the rest of that. But one of the things that happens is that, that we, I think it's men in particular, have this capability of just carrying ideas and truths and, and information around in our head, and it just never affecting how we act or, or how we think, right? And so we need something to, if we're really going to be transformed and conformed, like we were talking about earlier, we need something to get that stuff to travel that one foot from here to here, from our head to our heart. And I think that idea of, of a biblical idea of meditating on the scriptures is, is a really good way to approach that. Um, now, what I want to say first is that, is that meditation is not Eastern meditation. If you go up to somebody, you know, in a class or somebody at, at your office or something like that, and you say, hey, tell me what, you know, what, how do you think meditation is? They're going to think Eastern meditation where, you know, that, right? Well, what that is, is that's emptying yourself, emptying your mind. That, that's what you're trying to do for a purpose, but you're emptying your mind. And the problem with that is that Jesus told a little parable about, well, when a demon leaves, he goes off and hangs out for a while and grabs seven of his best friends and comes back and finds the house swept and empty and in order. Empty, I'm adding that word to it, the, the, the thought's there. And the condition's worse than it was before. So the basic idea is if your brain is just open to whatever, then whatever is going to get in your brain, Right? If you want that reference, is Luke 11, 24 through 26 is one, is, uh, one, one use of that, um, the demon coming back and finding the swept house. So what biblical meditation is, is not the emptying and opening of your mind to whatever, it's the filling of your mind with something intentionally, okay? So it's the filling of your mind with intentional thoughts, hopefully focused on a specific subject, hopefully that you're getting from, from the Word of God. Okay. Again, um, going back to the Joshua 1.8, that word for meditate there, it comes from the word that is the word that they use to describe a cow chewing his cud. And it really, it also has the idea of, of it's, a, it's a word that was used for murmuring. Like if some of us older guys remember the Popeye cartoons where Popeye was always muttering, right? And some of the stuff he muttered really wasn't PG, but... Uh, but he was always muttering to himself. But think about it, if you're just always going around muttering scripture to yourself, that's kind of weird, but, but it's always having it on your mouth, on your tongue, right? Um, um, so again, filling the mind with intentional thought. And so how can we do that? How do we fill our brains, fill our mind, hopefully then fill our hearts to make that, travel that distance into our hearts? Do that. Well, we've got a few thoughts on that. One thing I will recommend, totally separate from what we're going to talk about, is some of you remember our friend Jim Downing. He's got a really good little short book on meditation. That's probably the best thing I've ever read on meditation. The name of it is Meditation, and Jim Downing's name is Jim Downing. So you can look that up. So what are some ways we can fill our thoughts with scriptures? First, be intentional about it. Saturate our lives with the scriptures and then prayer, as Shannon was talking about, I think what you were talking about, those approaches to prayer, I was thinking, gee, that, you know, that's really consistent with what we're going to say about approaching the Scripture. So, so um, here's some just ideas, mainly just ways to come to the Scripture that, for the idea of thinking deeply about it, like a reading plan. Graham's going to talk about an app in a few minutes. It's got reading plans, all kind of different reading plans. And Navigators, uh, nav, Navigators.org has a good, good reading plans on the web, their website. Lat. 
I find if I'm trying to read the Bible through in a year that I, it's just too much for me to do every day. I'm just trying to do to get rid of it. So last year I read the New Testament through in a year. That was kind of cool. Basically a chapter a day would get you, get you more or less through that. This year I'm trying to read the Old Testament through in, in a year. Um, and it takes about two or three chapters a day to do that. And I uh, <clears throat> can have a few days off if I do that. Um, on the quiet times, uh, hopefully, you know, you know how to have a quiet time. That's not our purpose here, but just through morning devotions. One of the things I noticed as I'm reading, right now I'm reading through Jeremiah. Boy, Jeremiah's a long book, right? Um, and in my quiet times, and that's just, you know, it's maybe a couple of verses, maybe a paragraph, sometimes maybe a whole chapter or so, but usually not for the more. I just try to find something that God's telling me and meditate on that. Well, early in Jeremiah, while I'm reading that for my quiet times, I'm also reading in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And Moses is saying, if you don't obey God, this is going to happen. And Jeremiah is saying, it's happening. And it was really neat to see that, that, that connection between the prophecies and the actual thing. So that, that was pretty cool and, and got some good thoughts on that, I think. Um, as far as studying a book, what I mean by that is just picking a book of the Bible, right, and working through it. Uh, just working through the book of Acts. A, a friend of mine and ours, um, a, a friend of mine and I, that's how you say that, um, just got through going through the book of Acts, meet weekly, and we go through half a chapter, a chapter or so of that. I've got a group of guys that are going through Mark right now. Um, uh, Graham and I and a couple other guys went through Romans, or the better part of Romans, at the, around the start of COVID and stuff like that. And then topical study will give you some tools to how to study a book, how to do a topical study, how to do a word study here in, in a minute. Uh, but topical study, you, you, you know, like Shannon, basically that's what you did with all those verses on prayer, right? You just found a ton of scripture about prayer and, and put that into practice. Or a word study, I think Graham will say some specific things about that here. So uh, well, I'm not doing a topical study right now, but on my to-do list is a, a study on biblical manhood. Uh, that's something that I think I need, not uh, you know just to be personally, but then, oh boy, the guys I'm with, boy, they need that. They really need that, right? So, um, so okay. All right, so um, the passage that we're going to use kind of as, as an example today is going to be from First Peter. So if you want to go ahead and turn to this passage, uh, we'll be talking about it some. Um, but the reason we picked it, one, it's pretty rich, and two, you know, part of it is in one of the verses for the TMS, that uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. Um, and I wrote a paper on this last semester, so I have looked at it a decent amount. But, um, yeah, you can go ahead and go to the next slide. So, like I said before, I prefer the ESV, but if you want to read it from your own translation, uh, that'd be fine. And who wants to read that for us? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Appreciate it. All right, Tim, you can go ahead and go to the yeah, next slide. Thanks. All right, so we're going to talk about how to approach this passage and any passage that you're looking at. 
Um, and remember what we talked about before, that this is meant to make us more like Jesus, and we're to come to the scriptures humbly and submit ourselves under its authority. <clears throat> so first what you want to do is you want to ask some basic questions, like who's talking, who's writing, and who are they writing to? Um, so in First Peter, um, it's Peter, you know, sometimes it's pretty obvious, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, he's writing to the dispersed exiles in various regions um, out in kind of the Middle East and Asia Minor. Um, and you find that by looking at the first verse of the first chapter. Um, and that's usually where you're going to find this kind of information in the introductory material of the letter. Um, yeah. Uh, but sometimes it's not nearly as obvious who's talking or who's writing, so you may have to do some more digging. Um, but usually you can find that in the first chapter or so. Um, then you want to ask them what, when, where, how, and why questions. That's just pretty basic, uh, like we were talking about. And so for First Peter, that could be when is the proper time that God is going to exalt me? Or what does that even mean? What does that look like? Um, you know, how will he exalt me? Uh, or why is the devil my adversary? What does that mean? Um, and then after that, you want to um, talk about where, uh, what does it, this passage say about God and what does it say about people? So that's getting a little bit more specific. Um, so for this passage, you could say, you know, what does it say about God? It says that he exalts the humble, and he does so at the proper time. Um, and then it says that he's the God of all grace and that he cares for you. Um, and then what does it say about people? It says that we have anxieties that we need to cast upon him and um, that some of us, if not all of us, are at risk of being devoured by the devil. And that could be another why question, like, or what question, like what does that mean? Um, and there's a lot you can find on that. And then it also says that we have common experience with other believers, and namely in this passage it talks about suffering. And then something we've done at this retreat before is just at writing a list of questions, like as many as you can think of, about the text. And so that's going to be mainly your what, when, where, why, how questions. And so like I put a couple more examples, like how do I humble myself under the mighty hand of God? And then why is the lion imagery used to talk about the devil? So then as we get from just kind of informational about that and, you know, what's it specifically saying, which can be kind of hard at times. I know sometimes you go, like, what exactly is this saying? Then we want to try to get just kind of some broader type questions here. You know, is there a big idea? Like, I, I think one of the big ideas out of that passage that we just read is the idea of, of patience and long suffering. That kind of comes up several different ways in that, right? Uh, <clears throat> that might not be your, your thoughts on the, what's the main idea of it, but, but I think that's definitely there. And then um, are there other ideas that either support that main idea or they're kind of secondary to that main idea? Uh, like there's, there, to me, there's an inference of a spiritual battle that the devil's prowling around to try to devour us. Then that's that implying that there's a fight there. Go on. Uh, humility, right off the bat, you know, humble yourselves. So, so that idea of being humble and faithfulness is also one of the big ideas. And so then as, you, um, as you're working on that, then that can motivate some other stuff. Like um, one of the big words of 20, the 2020s is meta-narrative, right? There's this, there's this amazing thread that runs through the whole scripture. And so where does this particular, either this particular idea or this particular story fit in the meta-narrative? So like, I, like I'm in Jeremiah in my, in my quiet time right now. Well, where does that fit? You know, where, in the arc of all scripture, where does that fit? It helps to know that that's right at the end of the nation of Israel uh, before they ran into exile and as they were going into exile, right? So it's not before Moses and, and things like that. That's, that's really helpful to see that. Um, and then um, we're just going to drill down in a little bit here is um, 
Uh, where else does this show up in the Bible? Like, where are those ideas about faithfulness and long-suffering or humility? Where do they show up in the Bible? Well, how do you find that? And there's all kinds of resources to do that. A lot of you know how to use a concordance. Um, Graham will say some things about, you know, concordance apps that are really helpful. I, th- I was going to mention one that's it's not in a lot of use now, at least I don't hear about it a lot, but there's a thing called a Thompson Chain Reference Bible which basically links similar passages to topics. So you can go in the back and say, oh, it's, you know, look up humility in the back and say humility is number 757. And the first verse on that is, you know, and it'll give you a ver- verse. And so you can go look, look up that verse and then it tells you the next verse, the next verse, the next verse. And you've gone down a chain of like 30 verses on humility, right? So, and um, that's, um, if you look up Thompson Bible, you, you can get that, right? Um, Lots of ways to get cross-references, but Graham's going to spend a good bit of time drilling down in the Blue Letter Bible, which is one that we're, we're with. So I think that's next, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a lot of information. I know this um, retreat is a lot of times drinking through a fire hose, and this will be no different. Because um, this may be something that y'all have maybe never used before, um, so that's why I put buckle up. Uh, and I will have to, too, because I'm holding the mic and trying to do this at the same time. Um, sold that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have some slides in here that are how to do it on the mobile app uh, of Blue Letter Bible. But we're going to actually show you how to do it like live uh, on the desktop um, just for sake of convenience. And um, But if you want these slides in general or to see what it looks, how to do it on your phone, then you can reach out to us or Mark or whoever brought you here and they can get, somehow get you connected. And we can send you a link to it. Here we go. All right, so if you search blueletterbible.org, this is where it'll take you. First, what I'm going to do is choose my translation. So I use the ESV, so you go to ESV. And then right here, you can click right here, and you can search either just a passage if you want to look into a certain passage, or you can do something like what Shannon did, where you can type in a word or a topic, and it'll pull up some stuff there. Um, But what I'll do is just put in 1 Peter 5 and search that. And so that'll bring up the passage right here. And so you're going to want to scroll down to what we're doing. So 6 through 10 right here. And so let's say as you're studying this, you're in verse 8, and you're thinking, all right, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, sinking someone to devour. Let's say you want to look at, well, I don't really know what this prowling around means, or I want to see how else that's used. So if you do that and you're interested in that, then you're going to click on Tools right here. Um, and so there's a lot of information that it gives you. I'm going to try to distill it so that it's uh, not too overwhelming, but if it is, that's okay. So Bibles, that's going to give you just some translation comparisons. So if you don't really know what the passage means, it may be helpful to compare it with other translations, see how they put it. Cross-references, we talked about it before. It'll give you cross-references for each or a lot of these words and show you where else it's used in the Bible. That's pretty good. I don't use it a ton, this particular feature. I'm going to show you what I use the most in a minute. But there's some commentaries right here. Um, some I've used them a little bit, but, um, but they are public domain, so you may want to take that with a grain of salt. And then there's some dictionaries so that you're not going to find like Merriam-Webster in here. They're like Bible dictionaries of like, what does the Bible say about this? And so those are pretty good as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the interlinear. Um, and so that's basically getting into the nitty-gritty of the Greek and the Hebrew. So you're looking at the original text. If you scroll down, you'll see uh, on the left it has the English, and in the middle it has the Greek since we're in the New Testament. Um, So if we're going to scroll down a little bit, and then here's our word for prowls around. 
When the Greek here in the middle, that's going to be what, how it appears in the text, the one on top. The one in the middle is what you'd find if you looked it up like in a Greek lexicon, which is essentially a dictionary. And then the bottom, don't worry about that, it's just what's called a transliteration. Um, and then over here, the letters and numbers, that's going to tell you what kind of word it is. You may be interested in that, you may not be. <laughs> Um, and if you're interested in learning more about what that means, um, just come find me at some point during the retreat, and I can show you how to, what that, all that means, or start to tell you. And so we're going to click on that little link that I just um, clicked on. Uh, that's going to tell you more information about that word in the Greek. Um, so this is the word that we're looking at, peripateo. Like I said, this is going to give you a ton of information, and I'm going to try to distill it for you guys. gives you how to pronounce it, where it comes from. And then right here, it'll give you where it's used in the Bible, how it's used in the Bible. That's usually pretty good, but sometimes it's pretty long because it has a lot of different definitions. Strong's is a concordance, so that gives you some more definitions. And then this, this right here is a lexicon. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's basically a dictionary that translates it or transitions it from the Greek to the English. I use one of these for class. It's about yay thick and costs more money than it should. Well, no, it costs about as much as it should, but it's pretty expensive. And so if you don't want to use that, don't want to pay that money, good news, there's a free app that has one right there for you that's really good. But I'm not going to talk about how to use that just for the sake of time and your sanity. If you want to learn how to use this, like I said, come talk to me and I can show you how I use it. I use it a lot when I'm not using my hard copy. Yeah, as he's scrolling down. And when I discovered that, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Right, <laughs> but you may not think it's you, that yeah, cool, you may that's not okay. That. Something you may be more familiar with is a concordance. That's going to cast a wider net of showing you where it's else it's used in the Bible than a lexicon. What I want to do, the reason I brought it up for this today is I wanted to show y'all, or I was curious, let's say, you know, as you're doing this, you want to know how it's used in the Old Testament. And you may be thinking, or I would think, you know, well, if the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament's in Hebrew, how do you compare the original languages? So if you look right here, it says view Old Testament or yeah, Old Testament results in the LXX Greek Concordance. So the LXX, that stands for the Septuagint. Um, the Septuagint, you may be like, what is that? Uh, as I was a few years ago. It's basically the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And I think Tim wanted to say a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, my wife and I are history nerds, so we kind of dove into this. But So Alexander the Great, 4th century BC, conquers pretty much everything that we know of the world, right? And some parts we didn't know about. And he dies, and his generals take over, and so Europe, North Africa, uh, the Western Asia, it's all under Greek control, <clears throat> which has all kinds of wonderful implications for Jesus coming along 350 years later, 450 years later. But Egypt is under the control of a Greek, uh, Greek rule, and there's a city called Alexandria, and some of you may have heard of the library at Alexandria. They tried very, diff very intensely try to collect all the knowledge that they knew in the world. One of the things they did was is they realized, hey, we've got these Hebrew writings that seem fairly significant. It would be the Old Testament. But nobody speaks Hebrew anymore. Third, by this time, 3rd century B.C., nobody really spoke Hebrew except the, the Pharisees, rabbis, and things like that, right? So they said, let's translate that into language that everybody speaks, which is Greek. If you didn't speak Greek, you knew somebody that did if you lived in North Africa, Middle East, and Europe at this point, right? So they collected scholars. And the reason it's called the Septuagint and the reason it's LXX there, that's, you may recognize the Roman numeral 70 there, right, LXX. So what they did was they took uh, six uh, scholars from all 12 tribes, total of 72, 
brought them to Alexandria, and they started working. That, that's traditionally what, uh, what we don't know if that's true, but that's the tradition. And so they kind of rounded 72 down to 70, and so that's the LXX is 70 and Septuagint. And so those guys translated the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And then by the time you get, you know, 50, 100 years later, they've translated all of the Old Testament uh, into Greek, plus a lot of other sacred uh, writings, not scripture, but sacred writings from the, from, the, from the Hebrews. And that's the Septuagint. But if you don't remember all of that, just remember it's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. There you go. Uh, yeah. So that's that's helpful. Thanks, thanks for giving sure, us that yeah, history. Thanks. I know I, you know, <laughs> I just know I wouldn't have remembered that if I when I first came to this. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the reason I brought it up is, like I said, I wanted to look at how it was used in the Septuagint. And so when I looked this up, if when you, I mean, if you look this up, when you click on that thing that says view Old Testament results, what it, the first result that pops up says that this is the, the word for pr- the devil prowling around is the same word that's used in Genesis three for the Lord walking around in the garden. I think that's kind of interesting. Is there any theological importance there? Probably not, but it's kind of interesting. I, it's also very similar to the word in Job chapter 1, talking about the, uh, Satan walking to and fro about the earth before he's asked to um, afflict Job, basically. So that's kind of interesting as well. But that is it for that. And like I said, we have a bunch of slides of how to do it in on the mobile app, but... Take a deep breath. You know, I feel like some of us can use that after that. That was a lot of information. But now we're going to talk about application. Kind of our thinking, my thinking is that if we're not applying the scripture, then it's kind of a waste, right? But I'm really good at just getting information. Like that stuff about Alexander the Great, right? Or gee, it was 72 Jewish scholars. Like, oh, that's so cool, right? And then like, yeah, but I need to be different, right? I need to like love my wife more. I don't want to know about that, right? So uh, we're taking the perspective of, of questions here, kind of approach it with questions and using questions to help us with application. And, and our, our, our brother Kevin James is not here, and I got these from him, and I think he got them from somebody else, but I got to put a plug in for Kevin. So, so um, one real good way to get yourself into the application mode, I think, is to just ask yourself questions about the passage, right? And we, there's going to be more than this, but hopefully we can, um, we've got a little time, we can kind of talk through it. So first, is there, example, is there an example to follow? Okay. So... Um, <clears throat> Just, I mean, let's just, I'll just open this up and without using a mic, or if you're okay. close, Graham can use a mic, okay. or I can just repeat it, whatever is more convenient. Do you, does anybody in that First Peter passage see an example to follow? Humble yourself. Humble yourself? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So that's, and we can think of, you know, maybe other passages as we've gone through and looked at humility, people that were being humble, right? So, um, I think about... Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And give his life a ransom for many, right? Um, and then is there a sin to confess? Anybody see a sin that you might need to confess there? Or a person might need to confess to make it a little more objective? Right? I'm not humble? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not humble, there you go, yeah, yeah. Or I am anxious, right? Right. Yeah. Is there a promise to claim? Wasn't there a he will in there? Okay. What, what, what Doug? 
He may exalt you at the proper time. Yeah, wow. Yeah, cool. He will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish. Wow. Now, hopefully in the study, we've kind of maybe got some ideas. Are those conditional promises or absolute promises? Things like that, right? But those, those are great. Uh, is there a prayer to pray? For me, as I was thinking about that question with this passage, how do I cast my anxieties on him? I said, I'm going to do that in prayer. Right? And there may be other specific things, things that you would have. Right? See, some of y'all are writing. I'll let y'all catch up a little bit. Because I'm going to give you four more. So is there an example to follow? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a prayer to pray? Is there a command to obey? Anybody see a command to obey there? Kevin, you were nodding your head. Are you? uh, be of sober spirit. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Be on the alert. Ah, that's, yeah, that's, um, hmm, that carries a lot, of, a lot of information in those, those three words, right? Be on the alert. Yeah, clothe yourselves with humility. Yeah, that's. We think about a lot of, I've noticed in a lot of those anxiety things, it's like, oh, you yeah, know, the Bible says don't be anxious. So we think, oh, you know, i got to chill out and not be anxious. But that's every bit as much of a command, right? You know, clothe yourself with humility. Yeah. Um, is there an attitude to change? That may be a little bit harder to see, but anybody see an attitude maybe? Could be. Anxiety, yeah. Say pride. Is it pride? Pride, yeah. Prideful attitude, yeah. What was that, James? Thinking that it only happens to me. Thinking that it only happens to me. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, yeah, because he, he encompasses all the other believers there toward the end, right? So everybody is experiencing all of this, a lot of the same things you are, right? You're, you're, you're not unique in your struggles, right? Is there an error to avoid? Some, maybe some bad theology or some, um, something in the world that, that, that society teaches us or wants us to do that's maybe not such a good idea. Now, and the, every passage may not have answers to all these, you know. Is there a truth to accept? There is a devil, yeah, yeah. That's definitely there, right? So, and I think that too, the truth to accept, that's hard for me, but I, I've, seen, I've seen some examples in my life of people who saw the scripture said this, and I can tell talking with them or reading what they wrote that they didn't think that until they got into the scriptures, but they saw the scripture said that, and they said, well, that said it, it must be true, so I'm going to act like it's true. Right? And I think that's, that's significant. So one thing I think to kind of, as you get that and then to really get it down into, I wish that worked, as you really get it down into um, application is to, to end the study uh, with an I will statement. Because I have done this, I will, and that's a do something or think something or, or uh, say something, right? So I need humility, so there's something I'm going to do with my wife maybe uh, next week. 
I will do that. And I think that forces us into, um, and I hate to say force us into it, but it's just we're so good at just getting information going on with life without ever making a change that we really need to be intentional about what am I going to do different? How am I going to be different? Because I've done this. All right. And since we're talking about questions, any questions? Larry said we need a slow tutorial on the blue letter Sorry, Bible. Larry. Yeah, it's it's pretty dense. So, so, yeah. so that was the everything you wanted to know about scripture not, right? So, so yeah. So. Any other thoughts? When do you have time to do when do you make time to do this? When do you make time to do this? Um well, what was it Noel said? We choose, we're as close to God as we choose to be. Was that the quote you put up there? We do what we want to do. Right. I have seen that in my life so much. I do what I want to do. If I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. If I want to do it, I'm going to find time for it. So, so how, do, how do you balance out getting heady, very heady in the word and deep in thought and then transitioning that to application. I mean, I can, I can see myself maybe getting down and really deep in thought and this, and then it's like, well, this other stuff, you know, I can apply it later. You, you know, that finding that balance in there. What, what, do, what do you think on that? I do it very poorly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny there. I just do it very badly. Yeah, and that to me, that 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 that, well, if that that I will right there, you know. Just force myself, right? That that I'm not done. I try to. Do, I, so the guys I meet with may may remember this. I try to when it gets near the time when we haven't done it. I said, okay, what are we going to do about this? I just try to be intentional about that. You know, okay, we've been at, we've been at this an hour and a half. Well, no, not an hour and a half. An hour and twenty five minutes. The last five minutes. What are we going to do about this? So it's just I just have to be really really conscious and decisional. I don't, Graham, have you got any thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean. I have a lot of jumbled thoughts, but the <laughs> um, the one thing I would say is, you know, the way I've thought about like how to how do I incorporate my theology with like how I treat people and how I live my life and all this kind of stuff. And so, one thing that one thought that I've had is just I think the to an extent the effectiveness of your theology only extends as far as you're willing to love yourself and others. Um, and so I think that holds those into intention that like okay, I have learned all this stuff about, like, the theology of suffering, but this person who, this guy I met whose wife just had a miscarriage, they may not care that much about what my theology is. They want somebody to care for them. Um, and so I think that puts things into perspective for me. Uh, I don't know if that's helpful, but that's kind of my gut reaction. Yeah. Shannon had a question to you. I, I mean... Maybe I, I, and so I, my approach has been more of there's Bible study and then my relationship with the Lord is quiet time where then I have the application and maybe that's too boxy I don't know but that's just been my more my approach so I have my quiet time where it's more relational for God to speak in my life and then I have Bible study where it's more just to learn a lot of things 
but that could be way too boxy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're good at the boxy stuff. But, yeah. But, I mean, you know, one informs the other. So, the, you know, the, the application for quiet time will be informed by the study on giving that you did last week kind of stuff. I, I find that, you know, that what, what hits me out of quiet time just coincidentally happens to be related to the study I was doing last week, you know. Another thing, like, I, I found, at least when I first got, like, really serious about my faith, a lot of my quiet times were more study. Um, and then I got to seminary, and I was like, well, all I do is study the Bible, so i got to figure something else out. And so one of my friends gave me this suggestion, and I found it helpful, that just reading and praying through the Psalms, it's really hard to be academic in the Psalms. Um, and so that's been helpful for me this yeah. past year. Shannon, did you have a question, thought? Or you saw your hand up. Psalm 119, 18, uh, not to bring up a thing of prayer again, but before I interface with, with the word, I ask the Lord, it says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Like I know what it's like to walk through, try to read through Jeremiah, and like, well, I'm not going to get out of this. But there's always something there. If, if you think that, the, that God's word is truly that deep and we're in finite minds trying to understand the infinite, oh, there's, there's always something, but the Holy Spirit will help us understand it. We can't understand the word without him anyway, so it's a very spiritual thing. Um, so that was, that's what I do, pray that he would give me understanding. Maybe one more, and then it's getting awfully close to supper time. So, so thanks for this. Uh, it's great to have free, uh, at the Price is Right, on uh, apps and stuff. I use Logos a lot. It's a lot of similar stuff. But one thing that I found when I get pulled into the analysis paralysis mode is a lot of these apps and, and actually the ESV uh, has a reader's Bible, but you can turn off the verse numbers, you can turn off all the footnotes, you can turn off all of the peripheral stuff and noise and just read it as it was originally written. And that for me has just freed my mind to not worry about how many different times it was in the Septuagint and stuff like that, which I mean, it's, I love that. So I have to bias myself. I have to be intentional about not falling in those traps. Uh, uh, trap is probably the wrong word, but you guys understand what I mean. Uh, so turning all that stuff off, clicking it off in the apps, or getting a Bible that just doesn't have any of those references except an index in the back and page numbers has been extremely helpful for me in just seeing the word for what it is. Well, Kevin or where'd Kevin go? There you are. You want to need to pray for supper or something? Yeah. Could you pray and then I'll Okay. All right. All right. Father, thanks for this time. Thanks for gathering this group of men here and, and uh, for giving us the opportunity to share in fellowship and letting you challenge us and speak to us and change us. Uh, we um, look forward to breaking bread together and pray that you bless the food and the time around the food. Uh, to nourish our bodies and our souls. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.